0: Welcome to the Stainless Souls Podcast. Brought to you by the realization of Stainless Souls. A come-as-you-are church of recovery and discovery. Today is episode 13. Don't quit. Don't you ever quit. Hello, everybody. This episode is a replay, essentially, of a public talk that I gave at the Warren Walk for Heroin on the 28th of July and the constituency at that heroin rally was mostly addicts and families and generally some with some significant recovery time and some with very little recovery time and some who were just getting into recovery so I thought that it would be appropriate for those who couldn't be at the Warren Walk for recovery for us to give the talk again, both audio and we'll even try video this time on YouTube, and see how well-received videocasts are. So this was the talk. Does anyone know why they're here today? Does anyone want to know why they're here today? I do. Six years ago, I had no idea what heroin was, and I didn't care. If the opioid epidemic was proceeding in late 2013 and early 2014, it was doing so without me. In fact, even though I was a closet fan of the Hunger Games and my daughter lived in Greenwich Village, the overdose death of Philip Seymour Hoffman Didn't even register on my radar. I was living what I believed to be a very normal, though dissatisfying life, and I was frustrated because I wasn't satisfied. I seemingly had everything that I had ever wanted, and yet I was still dissatisfied. So had you invited me then to be here with you now in Warren, Ohio at a heroin rally, I would have scoffed at you, literally scoffed. I was living the dream, or so I thought, in suburban Atlanta, Georgia. And yet, somehow, here I am with you today. How can that be? Not just that I am here, but that you're here with me, listening now to this talk. It seems to be unbelievable in many ways that our paths are crossing here today in this place that is so, so, or was so seemingly distant from my life in Atlanta that um, the idea that we have the opportunity to share time here was just unthinkable just six years ago. Now, some people would have you believe that the mixing of our thoughts and our ideas here today is as random as the mixing of the biology and the chemistry that resulted in the improbable existence of our bodies. In other words, we're together today by pure chance. I happen to exist by chance, as do you, and that the idea or the fact that we're part of the opioid epidemic is a purely random event, bad luck, we drew the short straws. Many people may buy into that, Rationale, that way of thinking, I don't. I don't buy into random, the randomness of creation in any way, and I don't believe that any of the people that I meet in my life is by chance. I reject the above explanation of how we both ended up here today. Another possible reason that we're both here today is that we're serving some purpose. Maybe we're both working out some causes and effects from our past. Or perhaps we're helping somebody else in our life work out their causes and effects. And by the nature of our own suffering, other people are benefiting. What we do know is that many of our friends and relatives are dead. And they obviously are not here today. And many more are still actively using or enabling other people to use. And they're not here either. Then, of course, there's millions and millions of people who were just like me six years ago who have no idea that this epidemic is as bad as it is or that any type of a rally or anti-rally is going on in their hometown. I don't think it's by randomness or by chance that we're together. I think we are here for a reason. Importantly, probably, I am supposed to say something and you're supposed to hear it. Beyond that, we're both here because regardless of what's happened to us in our past, how drastic or tragic life events have been leading us here today, we've not yet given up, we've not yet quit. We are still in the game, taking definitive action towards some uncertain idea of the future. And in a way, that's called hope. Hope actually is the reason that we're here. We still have hope where many don't. What is hope? Hope is a reasonable expectation that something good is likely to occur in the future and that we are likely or capable of experiencing that good. Obviously, it's the opposite of hopelessness. Hopelessness would include not having a reasonable expectation of a good outcome or perhaps having a reasonable expectation of a bad outcome. But if there is a reasonable expectation of a good outcome, hopelessness would include the idea that well, although that good outcome is possible, it's not possible for me. I am not capable of enjoying that outcome. Hopelessness is what the state of mind or the state of emotion that our friends who are no longer with us were in when they died. And hopelessness for many of our friends and relatives who are out there using today, what they feel at the moment that they put the needle in their vein. So the reason that we're here today, well, you happen to be here because you have hope and because you're supposed to hear something that I'm supposed to say. Now let's just hope that I'm able to say it. Hello everybody, my name is Bob and I'm in recovery. I'm also a trauma survivor, an author, a coach, and a counselor. My first book is called Heroin, Living and Dying with an Addict You Love, How to Survive When Everyone Dies, published in 2017. I recently founded a church called The Realization of Stainless Souls, a come-as-you-are church of recovery and discovery, and it is a church of all religions. Soon I'll release my second book, which is currently titled Brown Bag Blue Collar Recovery Planner, the Addiction Edition. And it is a 90-day do-it-yourself treatment system for those suffering with addictions. So back to the talk. What am I supposed to say? What are you supposed to hear? Well, your life has to have a purpose. Some higher purpose than just eating, sleeping, working, procreating, and dying. The outer and inner universe is far too magnificent for our purpose to simply be, to be the best mom, or to be the best employee, or to be the best spouse. This existence has a purpose, and inherently, we know this to be true. We can feel it within ourselves, and in fact, we pursue it. However, we try to fill the calling of our higher self, higher purpose, with more money, more toys, more fame, more power, more influence. And as we gain these symbols of success, we find still that we are empty, discontented, and unfulfilled. Some of us become so distraught and frustrated with the seemingly impossible quest to fulfill our needs that we'd rather feel nothing at all. In fact, we would become willing to die in order to feel nothing at all. And for people in that situation that I'm most familiar with, we refer to them as heroin addicts. People who are willing to die in exchange for the opportunity to feel nothing at all. For those heroin addicts who are still alive, they still feel that emptiness of not fulfilling that insatiable call to everlasting fulfillment. The reason you cannot satisfy the calling with material accomplishments and achievements is because it cannot be fulfilled by our outer selves, or by anything in the outer world. The answer is on the inside, our innermost selves. But what is it? What is it we're trying to accomplish? Well, my friends, the purpose of life on this planet anyway is to discover the truth about who and what we are. Every predicament, ordeal, dilemma, challenge that we experience is designed specifically in a way for us to realize the truth about our true being. Our true incorruptible, invulnerable, immortal, and stainless soul. For whatever reason, you're currently tasked with overcoming an addiction or codependency. Sometimes there are underlying issues such as traumatic stress or suicidal ideation. In all these cases, we are led to a state of hopelessness. And as long as a state of hopelessness exists, we forget that we are children of God, created in His image. We are bound to become hopeless. And if we succumb to the pains of our predicament, our ordeal, our challenge, our dilemma, we will likely suffer in the afterlife or in the next life. If, on the other hand, we manage to overcome our predicament and successfully survive the challenges of this incarnation, then we can be confident in a fulfilling afterlife or next life. So the purpose of life and its predicaments is for us to discover the truth about ourselves. And in order to do that, we must survive. We must survive and we must not give up. Only addicts who give up on recovery, overdose and die. Don't give up, no matter what. Live another day, fight another day. Just today, fight on. There once were two frogs, and many of you probably heard this story. These were two dairy farm frogs hopping around, and they hopped into the barn and up onto a table. And without looking, they leapt off the table and into a bucket of milk. And the bucket was half full, and the sides were smooth. So the frogs were stuck in there. They couldn't leap out because of the milk, and they couldn't climb out because the sides of the pail were smooth. So they were in there swimming, and for quite some time they were swimming. And one of the frogs was a a lumpy fellow and quite the pessimist and a little bit older. And he was complaining while the two frogs were swimming. And he said, I don't know how much longer I can swim. I don't know if I can keep this up. And the younger frog tried to encourage him to continue. We don't know what's going to happen. Just keep swimming. It's going to be fine. And eventually the older, lumpy frog gave up and sank to the bottom of the bucket and he died. And he died as just a frog. The younger frog, the more optimistic frog, continued to swim and he made a commitment to himself that he would not stop swimming, no matter what. The only way that he was going to perish in that pail was if his muscles failed to respond to the commands of his mind And he continued to swim and swim and swim. And just at the point when he thought that his muscles were going to begin to fail him and he would sink and perish, he felt a firmness under his belly. And what happened was he had swam in that milk so hard. He had churned that milk so much that he churned it into butter. And once it turned into butter, he hopped out of the pail A much different frog than the frog that hopped in, and a much different frog than the one that perished. This was a frog of resilience, of resolve. He was a butter maker. He was a swimmer. He was courageous. Now, those two frogs in the afterlife or the next life, depending on how you view immortality, will have two very different outcomes. The one who died just a frog will probably just be a frog again. But the one who hopped out of that bucket as a butter maker, as a survivor, he may be a prince in the next life. So it is very important for us, no matter what our plight, no matter what our task, no matter what our predicament or ordeal or dilemma is, that we carry on the fight. Because it's not just this single lifetime that we're fighting for. We're fighting for the salvation and the redemption of our souls in all eternity. So, what is it that you are? Who are you? Well, the universe of the Creator or God already knows who you are. You don't have to prove anything to Him. You are a child of the divine, created in His image. And for a variety of reasons and circumstances, you have forgotten your divine heritage. And in order for you to remember, you came here to this planet in order to overcome some mortal problems, some mortal predicaments, ordeals, and dilemmas. And eventually, by being prompted by the dilemmas of your life and by successfully overcoming the dilemmas of your life, you will realize once again that you're a child of the divine. How do we know that we're divine children of God? Well, there's numerous passages and numerous scriptures on all the traditions that tell us so, but since I'm in the West, we'll use the Old Testament first. And the psalmist says to God directly, while I was in my mother's womb, you knitted me together, fearfully and wonderfully made, am I? And then God reminds the psalmist, have I not told you that you are God's? And then we come to the New Testament, and when the Pharisees were challenging Jesus with blasphemy for healing somebody on uh, on the Sabbath, Jesus referred to them and challenged the Pharisees with is it not in your law that I said you are God's? But it's not just in Scripture where the answers are, but rather within you. All of the answers that you seek about anything are within. In recovery, the 11-step states that we sought through prayer and meditation, conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of His will for us, and the power to carry it out. And if we're in a program, a 12-step program, then... At some point we have to buy into the idea that if it asks us through prayer and meditation to make conscious contact with god then it's possible through prayer and meditation to make conscious contact with god and if we are to ask for knowledge of his will for us then that means that he must have a will for us a purpose for us so it would be to our advantage to spend as much time as is practical to figure out what is our divine purpose. What is it that the immortal and eternal and infinite desires of us in this lifetime? Anything that we do otherwise is probably a waste of our time. So you don't need to study scripture or analyze ancient languages in order to figure out why you're here. You simply need to look on the inside. You simply need to meditate. And as you meditate, the truth will come to you through meditation. I sometimes tell people that Narcan wakes you up from a heroin overdose. Meditation wakes you up from a material world overdose. The purpose of life is to discover the truth. You must survive to discover the truth. You must never give up until you realize the truth. You must not die from an overdose or suicide, or else you'll suffer just like you do now in the next life or the afterlife. You must work to survive, and therefore, you must find sobriety. And sobriety, from a 12-step perspective, requires spirituality. In my experience, in order to become free of addiction, you have to want it, freedom, more than anything else that the world offers. You must be willing to forego all else, all people, all places, all things. There can be no exceptions. You may not have to give it all up in the end, but you have to be willing to give it all up. And in a way, it's similar to finding God if you were to join a monastery. You have to renounce everything in order to find him and then to receive everything. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and then all these things will be given to you. Your single life priority so far has been drenched in the physical world and ultimately it became heroin. Now you must forego heroin and everything else in order to become free. If you continue with heroin, you'll eventually be left with your active addiction and nothing else except maybe a dreadful death. If you opt for sobriety, you may have to forgo everything else in order to be free. But in freedom, you have a chance to have the life of your dreams. So you have to be willing to give it all up in order to have a chance to have it all. It's a paradox. There's many of them in this program. You have to surrender to win. You have to give it away to keep it. You have to die to live. It's just the way it works. So you must stay sober. You must survive. You must overcome your predicaments. And in order to fulfill your purpose of discovering your true nature, you must never give up. I once was a very pregnant lion. And she was past due. And she was to the point where she felt that if she didn't hunt prior to delivering her cub... She might not get another chance for some days after delivery. So, despite her condition, she decided to go hunting and she didn't want to spend a lot of time away from the den. She came across a flock of sheep and she essentially just pounced right in the middle of the flock and landed on one of the sheep. She came down so hard and in all the chaos that she delivered the cub in the middle of that flock. But she didn't realize it, and she dragged her prey back to the den, leaving her cub in the flock. The sheep being sheep, naturally, elected to raise the lion cub as their own, and they did that. And the lion was a male, grew into a fully grown male lion, and spent his entire life believing that he was a sheep. He grazed and frolicked, just like all the other sheep did. He even said, bah. A year or so later, an adult male lion was hunting and came across the flock. And he was astonished to see a fully grown male lion frolicking in the herd and behaving like a sheep. He couldn't believe his eyes. And he began his chase with his focus on the lion in the flock. And all the sheep scattered naturally. And he kept on the chase eventually overcoming the sheep lion, and tackled him to the ground. And while he was on top of the hunted lion, the hunted lion squealed like a sheep and said, Please don't kill me. I'm a nice sheep. Bah, bah. The male lion said to his prey, My friend, you are no sheep. You're not a sheep at all. You're a fully grown male lion. Why do you live among these sheep? Bah, bah, I'm not a lion. Don't be ridiculous. I'm a sheep. I've been a sheep all my life. With that, the male lion escorted the sheep lion to the drinking pond and forced his head down toward the water. Both lions stared at the reflection of the fully, two fully grown lion heads in the water. Look, you see, you're not a sheep. You're a lion. I don't believe it, the other lion said. The first lion then taught the sheep lion how to roar, just like the king of the jungle should. And after two or three tries, the sheep lion let out a full-bodied adult lion roar. He really was a lion. He only thought he was a sheep. So my friend, you are not just a frog. You're not a sheep. You're not just an addict. You are, in fact, a child of God who has forgotten his divine heritage. You are an incorruptible, invulnerable, immortal, stainless soul. You only have to realize it. And in order to realize it, you must not quit until you know the truth. Awake, Lion. Awake.